Hi, this is Brienne from the Pie Patch. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches and sparkling sand. He won't make her double dig in her garden if she doesn't make him try broccoli aromatherapy. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Yes, they are, especially on a day when it's going to be, what, 60-something degrees? In, At least. And was yesterday in the city of Chicago, for those of you who are listening on the stream. And we understand the stream's going out well today. Where's what? our ding? Did you bring oh. our dingers in here? No? Wait. Hold on. Oh, she's getting the bag. <laughs> there we go. Got to have that handy. It's very old school radio is to have. Uh... All right. We get a double ding on that. It's next to my dead apple core. The Good. double ding, <laughs> the double ding is, 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 is actually for the live stream going out well today. And we appreciate people who are listening all over the country. Uh, and, of course, the folks listening in the Chicago area on 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. Uh, what we're not happy of dinging about is climate change, uh, climate variability, as Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist, calls it on this show. And I bet he's going to have a lot to say <laughs> about that today <laughs> at about uh, 1049 uh, when we bring him in. Um, you know, Peggy, you, off, you often say, what are you going to rant about at this top of the show today? And today my feeling is... And I've been ranting about it online for a couple of days. I noticed. Yeah. Did you? Yes. When I turn on the television and I see the meteorologists uh, saying, you guys are going to like this one. And all I can think is, no, I don't like it. This is not good. This is not healthy. This is not good for your plants. I mean, for one, you know, okay, speaking from the gardening aspect, and I was just talking to Ron Cowgill mm-hmm. about that, this throws everything out of whack. You were mentioning to me, uh, Peggy, that... You saw insects yes. flying around yesterday all over the place. Uh, when they start moving too early, it puts these cycles out of sync where the birds don't even show up to you know until a certain time. But maybe the insects are there and maybe they've gone through that life cycle already. And maybe the plants are starting before the birds get here. It's it just everything goes haywire. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Christine Nye from the Shed Aquarium the other day and they were moving a pawpaw tree. On the grounds there at the shed. Yeah, they're actually growing pawpaws there at uh, Shed Aquarium. She said, the tree was budding. I'll which, check my pawpaws when I get home. Yeah, you should. I have three of them. Yeah. You, you're a little further north, yeah. so maybe it's not as, as, as bad up there. But I was looking at the neighbor's um, viburnum, and those leaves are getting ready to start opening already. And it's February. Yeah. September. So, uh, and that's why we have our guests on the show today. Um, I'm very, very pleased to have Alderman John Arena in the studio. Uh, he's the 45th Ward Alderman and author and co-sponsor of a resolution, which is before the Chicago Finance Committee, uh, which would divest the city of Chicago uh, from fossil fuels, uh, certain funds. And we'll get into the details of that because it's, it's you know, it, nothing simple. In this world, uh, and certainly when it comes to city council, Alderman, nothing, nothing is simple. Um, uh, with him is Melissa Bryce, who are you? One of the founders of Chicago Three Hundred and Fifty? Yes, I founded it in May of twenty thirteen. You? Yes. Oh my goodness! Well, congratulations! You get a, you get a ding. <laughs> Thank <that>. you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Three Hundred and Fifty Chicago Three Hundred and Fifty is behind. Uh, one of the organizations behind this, and um, they went to the city council and said, hey, you really should do this. Um, 
And uh, so we're going to talk about how that collaboration began, where the uh, measure is heading. And if you want to participate in the conversation, and if you live in Chicago, I hope you do, uh, 847-475-1590, 847-475-1590. And I'm going to let you take it away because I think we're... We're, we're, we're there, but I was also going to say you can tweet to us at Mike Now. Uh, right. Or the Mike Novak Show on Facebook. On Send Facebook. us a comment. Or email you, Mike, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Okay. And on that note, last week you might have heard us talk to Kim Hankins, Director of Sustainability at McHenry County College, about the Great Lakes Bioneer Speaker Series in Crystal Lake. There are two more talks, one this Tuesday, February 21st, and another on the 28th, which address the challenge of making our planet more sustainable. February 21 features Engaging Citizens in Civic Ecology Practices, presented by Tanya Schuschler, PhD. Blah, blah. That's one of those mornings. <laughs> presented by Tanya Schuschler, That's why I gave PhD. you the live one. <laughs> From the Institute for Environmental Sustainability at Loyola University. We must teach people about the high stakes of climate variability and how to help their own communities to adapt to inevitable global change if we are to keep ahead of a changing planet. Then on February 28th, Shalini Gupta speaks on building the social justice narrative on our environmental crisis. Gupta is the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Earth, Energy, and Democracy in Minneapolis. All events are at 7 p.m. in the Luke Conference Center. For more information, call 815-479-7765 or visit mchenry.edu green. And once again, we encourage you to call if you have uh, an opinion on this, on divesting from fossil fuels, whether you're an institution, an individual, part of a municipality, whatever. 847-475-1590. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. If you live in the upper Midwest and you're already jonesing to plant stuff, you need to get your hands on a grow light from Happy Leaf LED. At 18 inches, it's small but mighty. You can start three conventionally sized flats of seeds in a roughly three by two foot area. You can even grow plants that flower and produce fruit. How does Happy Leaf do it? The light is tuned for all plant growth, including flowering plants. You name it, this USA-made LED light can grow it. Your indoor garden will be limited only by your imagination. It's already won the 2017 Direct Gardening Association Green Thumb Award. With the Happy Leaf LED, there's no reason you can't have your own delicious, fresh, leafy greens year-round. Not to mention all of the herbs you need for any recipe. Find out more about the Happy Leaf LED light at happyleafled.com or call 815-414-2209. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings Magazine. And for seven years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier, happier lives. Each month, our readers enjoy new information about integrative health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids and pets, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs, or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Looking for a housing investment that can pay big dividends? Remodel your kitchen or bathroom. You'll freshen up your home and add value to it, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling needs. Kitchens, bathrooms, master suites, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. This is Sports Director Kevin Burgess. Make sure you catch my sports report every day from 5 to 7 p.m. on French and Friends, sponsored by 1090 Brewing. Yeah, I want to burn down the house. I was going to say that's or, another or ap- pr- appropriate song. Uh, yeah, we're, we are, uh, good, we good are job, on fire ben. as a planet. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, we got a tweet from the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, um, and they say, We have heard if you can keep roots cold on trees, they will not bud. Use mulch, etc. Keep sun from warning, warming the roots. So the idea is keep the roots cool there. Okay. <laughs> we got to understand, our, our engineer, What's Ben Pokwist, has got eight <laughs> arms, and he, and he has to have five ears. 
Just are we cool? Because yep. I'm popping in and out of my headset here, and I don't know why. I was doing the same. So. Yeah. Um, I think we deal with it. I, I think we do. We just move on because we have Alderman uh, John Arena in uh, the studio. There we are. I'm cool now. Um, the uh, Alderman from the 45th Ward in Chicago. Uh, Alderman, thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. This well, is great. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you're familiar with WCGO. Uh, you know, it's a station that has been around Chicago for a long time, recently increased its power and uh, efficacy, I would guess, mm-hmm. and, and reach. Uh, and so we're uh, eager to get the word out on the Mike Novak Show about environmental issues, and that's why you're here today. Uh, also in the studio, Melissa Bryce, the founder of Chicago 350. Hi again. Hello. Um, let me start with you, Melissa, and, and we'll get to the alderman in just a second, about this whole uh, divestiture movement. Um, I actually saw Bill McKibben speak uh, four Five years ago and, you know, in Chicago about this, and he was just starting to introduce that whole concept. How did 350, uh, Chicago 350 get started, and, and what led you to city council? Yes, so I found out about Bill McKibben, and as well as you, found him extremely inspirational and motivating. And I wanted to join his movement, and I thought I would just join the local chapter of 350 and found out that one did not exist in (laughs) Chicago. (laughs) So I was very sad about that. So I reached out to 350 National and decided that I would help found the Chicago chapter. All chapters of 350.org start organically and naturally, and so we are a 100% volunteer organization affiliated with the national organization. And just quickly want to tell people listening that 350.org is a grad grassroots global movement to solve climate crisis, to solve the climate crisis. And 350 represents parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And we are currently over 400. And NASA's climate scientist, James Hansen, says that we need to be below 350 to keep our planet well, habitable. Well, that ain't happening, okay? <laughs> right. I can yeah. tell you that right now. We're, yeah. We just blew past that oh, like it was standing still. Right, which just makes all of these movements for, that 350 is a part of even more critical. And so I went to the Keystone Pipeline protest. So 350 really got on the map because of the fight against the Keystone Pipeline. Mm -hmm. And there was a rally in D.C. in February of 2013. We broadcast live from there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the craziest things in the world because we were, there was no internet there. So we had a hotspot and uh, had our computers hooked up by batteries and for two hours we broadcast live and it went much better than it had any right to but oh, it was so ab- an amazing and it was really cold yes very at cold. that time yeah yeah so there were forty thousand people there and at the time that was the largest climate convergence in u.s history mm-hmm. so that was really inspiring for me so i came back to chicago and then in may launched the chicago chapter and we decided to focus on divestment because it's the fastest growing divestment movement in history and it um really gets after the three issues issues of moral, financial, and political um, to counter the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for all you grammarians out there, um, is divestiture the same as divestment? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm going to have to... Do you know, uh, Alderman? Um, I, yeah, I think it... I think it's more or less... It's, yeah, it's yeah, similar it's the in same terms thing. of intent. Uh, and, you know, this is not new, uh, right now, if you go if you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, I wrote about this uh, yesterday and did a post. And one of the things you'll find out is there's about 700 and growing uh, organizations and institutions that have already decided to um, divest from fossil – all or part. Of the fossil fuel industry. That's what's kind of interesting too. If you go through the list, there's there's universities, there's municipalities, there's churches, there's environmental organizations. I would like to see it expand, and and it does continue to expand. But right now, if you look at the net worth of all of those groups who are divesting, it's over five trillion dollars. Now, it doesn't wow. it doesn't mean that. Five trillion has been divested. It means the net worth of all of the organizations who are divesting is five trillion. So that brings us to the city of mm-hmm. Chicago, Alderman. Um, you already have thirty nine sponsors <laughs> for this. Now, are you're are, were you the uh, the lead on this uh, this uh, yeah, proposal? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I want to give credit to three fifty and to Melissa that were they kind of came to me with with this idea and did a lot of the the research and legwork into how to craft the the language of the resolution. 
um, you know, my my role is is really bringing it to the council and talking to the, the other members of the council, explaining what we were trying to do and what the what the mission was. And we have 39 signatures, but we have to kind of we have to do a hearing on this and we have to get the votes in, in finance committee uh, and ultimately through the full city council. Um, the resolution itself uh, asks for the city to uh, any funds that the city has that are controlled mostly through the treasurer's office, either short, you know, medium or long term uh, holdings that uh, we move those from within within a period of five years, move those from um, any kind of fossil fuel uh, company or, or related company to um, other profitable and, and uh, more environmentally responsible pursuits. And that could be other green technology, or it could just be into other companies that are, you know, other missions that, that do other work. So is this funding coming from the four pension funds and the city budget, or from where, it, where the, are we moving here? We don't – so the structure of the pension funds are controlled by pension boards. So mm-hmm. this would, this would uh, seek to influence the pensions by leading – so we will start with the funds that are controlled uh, mostly through the treasurer's office. And Kurt Summers is uh, – we've consulted with him both before uh, introducing this and, and since introducing us. And what we're trying to do is get a picture of what are our holdings, what amount of the holdings that we have. And there's hundreds of millions of dollars that the city right. holds in, mm-hmm. in these funds. And where are they in terms of maturity? So that's why we gave a five-year window because we couldn't do this today, you know, immediately. Some of these things, would there'd be penalties for pulling out of them. And we don't want to hurt the city's finances. We want to help the city's finances and show, you know, the pension funds that we can lead this way. And then, you know, we in the resolution, we call for the pension funds to review what we're doing and to consider these types of actions. And the good news, there's a crossover. The, the Kurt Summers sits on every one of the pension boards so his being him being the treasurer of the city city of the city of Chicago can kind of help uh, educate those board members and then, you know, help lead them to uh, what we feel are better, more sustainable uh, investments over time. You might have said this already, but is this all fossil fuel um, uh, industry or is, if you look on that list that I w- referred to earlier, some of it is just tar sands and some of it is different things uh what are you looking at a broader well i mean, i think that's one of the things we need to answer you know and mostly answer by looking at what we're actually invested in and you know we have you know there's probably hundreds of companies that we're invested in you know through you know kind of mutual funds and and kind of consolidated funds that have holdings so that's why we kind of have to d- dive deep into where this money is sitting and then make educated decisions about you know is that a company that is negatively affecting our environment and if so then we want to make plans to move away from that can i just yeah, add something jump in so the divestment movement is centered around divesting from the top 200 oil coal right. and natural gas companies and those companies are selected by holding the largest amount of reserves they plan on burning mm-hmm. so the divestment movement started because we know like all all of the largest and most prominent countries in the world came together in Paris um, in December of 2015 and agreed we cannot let the earth warm above two degrees Celsius. And we can only burn 565 more gigatons of carbon to reach two degrees Celsius. And the fossil fuel companies... That sounds like a lot. It does. Gigatons. the, The fossil fuel companies plan on burning five times that amount. And they plan on burning all of their reserves. And those reserves are already accounted for in their stock prices. And so that's why we started the divestment movement, because it's either stop investing in these companies that are wrecking the planet or have catastrophic climate change. And so we were very glad that the Progressive Caucus and Alderman Arena have, from the very beginning, the first time we met with Waggy Speck from the Progressive Caucus, and then since every Progressive Caucus member we met with since then has been receptive from this idea to this idea from the beginning. So we are very glad that um, they are looking into this. And so, as you mentioned, Mike, that different cities, different organizations have chosen what they would divest from. Mm-hmm. So while the movement is centered around the 200, some places are choosing to just divest from coal, like Bank of America, for example. Um, but we are asking the city to, at least at this point, look into all of it. So we're really glad that Alderman Arena is leading that. 
that is Melissa Bryce from Chicago 350, also in the studio, Alderman John Arena from the 45th Ward. Uh, Alderman, uh, let's get back a little bit to, uh, I hate to bring this up, the politics of it, because there's always politics sure. in, in, involved in this. Uh, you say you got uh, 39, uh, Alder- is, it, is it still at 39? Uh, that, that's who signed on to the yeah. introduction of the resolution. So, yeah. um, you know, we had conversations on the floor and some were hesitant. Uh, some wanted to hear more about it before they were to sign on. So that's what we're leading up to is gathering information about what the sitting holdings are and lining up experts to come and testify in front of the, a future finance committee meeting mm-hmm. to educate the members of the council as to how this would um, how this would would benefit and, and show leadership and how, on the converse side, not hurt the city's financial positions, because that's something there was a lot of concern about. And the perception is that, well, if you divest from them, you'll lose money. And it's really not that way. You can invest in – you can make investment choices and and generate revenue, you know, in other pursuits. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's really about showing them that the what the percentage of investments are, what's the strategy to get out of it without harming our financial positions – and and come out in five years and have a clean books, and if you will, to use a metaphor. And uh, go ahead. I was going to say, how, so how do you go about selecting then what the funds get moved into? So that would be, the, and that that would still be left up to uh, the treasurer and and you know his advisors, but they would be using this as kind of a guidepost. So they mm-hmm. would be staying away from future investments. Uh, in the near term, within that five-year period, we wouldn't continue to invest in them. We would start diverting those investments into other pursuits. And then at the five-year mark, we would have, have divested or moved that money into uh, either following the money that, you know, this, this money in the, in the coming years would go into or to other things, emerging markets and things that are a positive for our bottom line. As you know, in the city of Chicago, not much happens without the approval of his honor, uh, what does Rahm Emanuel have to say about this? Well, I've had conversations with Chris Wheaton from he's the chief sustainability officer for the city. And I know Melissa had, had said she'd met with them uh, prior to us getting started working together. Um, so, you know, it's, there's a sense that, you know, they're talking to their policy folks. There's a sense that, you know, there's a willingness to have a conversation, which is the way all things should start. So I appreciate that. Um, we've had, we you know I mean and that's are again, we talking if, baby steps here is well <laughs> well I mean you know it, look if their policy was we weren't going to do this then I wouldn't have even gotten that call so yeah it, it's good that there's an openness and to his credit the mayor has made some moves to help on the environment he continued the work that Daly started to close the, the coal fired plants um, he I believe he, he he took a leadership role in in the um, the pet coke plants and 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 pushing the law department to kind of fight a very powerful entity in, in in getting those things covered and those brothers no less you exactly know? so so i mean there is there is a sensibility i think in this administration to uh environmental measures um you know obviously i think we probably could do more as a city but i do think that um there's an effort here and an intent to have a productive conversation and we hope to to for him to come forward and, and show his support for this at the end so let's look at that timeline. Uh, originally, when we booked this program, um, the 21st was supposed to be the committee meeting, the finance committee meeting, and then I saw that it had been postponed. What was that all about? Is it just procedural blah, blah? Yeah, I mean, that was at, at kind of my request because we were still having conversations with Kurt Summers. We're still uh, – some the treasurer's office is looking at where these investments are. And until we really have a picture – of what is the scope of our investments and and how deep they run and how 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 we'll be able to move out of those positions in a responsible way, looking at it from a from a financial picture, um, you know, it'd be premature to go in front of the city council finance committee making the argument. So for me, we didn't have that information lined up, and we're still waiting to hear back from uh, uh, Chris Wheaton about um, about where the where the mayor's policy is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then so we felt, well, let's give it another month um, and get get our ducks in a row and make sure that we're having a, com- a compelling argument. We've got l- about a minute left here. Um, I want to let folks know that if they're 
if they're interested uh, in this conversation, please give us a call at uh, 847-475-1590, 847-475-1590 in the studio, 45th Ward Alderman John Arena and Melissa Bryce, who is the founder of uh, Chicago 350. We're talking about divesting from fossil fuels, the city of Chicago, as you're hearing, you just don't pull a plug. Uh, you, you really have to walk it through and be very, very smart about it. Uh, and that's kind of what I want to get into when we come back. Uh, Peggy and I have been doing a little research on this about how this works and how it might not work um, and whether this does good or it's just symbolism. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on Chicago Smart Talk, 1590 WCGO. Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the Good Food Festival. Connect with local farmers and food producers. Learn from chefs like Rick Bayless and Paula Haney. Shop the Good Food Marketplace and enjoy delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry to Saturday's General Festival is free this year with online registration. Good Food happens Saturday, March 18, at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Visit goodfoodfestivals.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Don't miss more than 20 breathtaking gardens from top designers at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show presented by Mariano's March 18 through 26 at Navy Pier. Enjoy the huge marketplace, cooking demos, kids' activity garden, and more. On Monday, March 20th at 1230, attend Mike Novak's free seminar, Debunking Garden Myths, and see Mike and Peggy broadcast live from the show on 1590 WCGO on Saturday, March 25th from 10 to noon. Go to chicagoflower.com. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Unchain my heart. Baby, let me go. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on a far too warm Saturday morning. Uh, and in the studio, we have Alderman John Arena from the 45th Ward and Melissa Bryce from Chicago 350. Um, something I posted on my website, MikeNovak.net, uh, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. Um, uh, the Goddard Institute for Space Studies posted recently that Earth's 2016 surface temperatures were the warmest since modern record-keeping began in 1880. According to independent analyses by NASA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, globally average temperatures in 2016 were 1.78 degrees Fahrenheit, or 0.99 degrees Celsius, warmer. And by the way, that's just around uh, 1 degree Celsius, warmer than the mid-20th century mean. This makes 2016 the third year in a row to set a new record for global average surface temperatures. And then you might have read in the newspaper or heard pretty much everywhere in the world that we have a new head of the EPA in the United States. Uh, His name is Scott Pruitt, formerly Oklahoma's attorney general. Uh, And uh, this is from, I believe, the Washington Post. Post, yeah. 
Uh, Pruitt began what is likely to be a controversial tenure with a clear set of goals. He has been outspoken in his view, widely shared by Republicans, that the EPA zealously overstepped its legal authority under President Barack Obama, saddling the fossil fuel industry, poor babies, with unnecessary and onerous regulations. Onerous. Onerous. You know, well, that's the word of the the, uh, Washington Post. But, um, you know, it's it's hard for me to cry crocodile tears for the fossil fuel industry, especially when we have just had the third year in a row of record temperatures. We to put it blunt. Well, I'm not going to put it bluntly because then they'll I will get kicked off the air. We are (laughs) in a heap of trouble. Okay, we are in a heap of trouble because. No help is going to be coming from Washington, D.C. in the next four years, which I guess, Alderman John Arena, means that municipalities have to take this burden on their shoulders. Yeah, I think on a number of uh, very important issues, this, the municipalities are, are being leaders in this. You see it in New York and L.A. and, and here in Chicago uh, from immigration to climate change. So, well, you know, if that's the, the role we, we get to take and, and need to take, then, you know, I'm happy to be part of that. Here's the problem. Um, and as I mentioned before the break, Peggy and I have been looking at uh, some articles on this and, and some thoughts on the whole divestment movement. Uh, there are some people who say it's, it's, it's basically symbolic. Um, that, and part of the reason is that you're divesting from public funds. There's a lot of uh, private funds that are out there and hedge funds that – invest in fossil fuels and you never know it because Mm -hmm. that's the way they operate in secrecy there's not a lot of transparency there uh so and and don't a lot of them do the actual um explore the exploration so if a company's exploring for fracking and exploring for fossil fuels they're funding yeah well you know there's an article i read that said that basically hedge funds have are the reason we've had this fracking boom Mm -hmm. in the country um and so how do you address that problem? You're really dealing with a tiny fraction of what is being invested. How do you make a difference? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, another drop in the bucket if you want to look at it that way. But, you know, that's how you fill the bucket. And we're, you know, 350s, you know, taking a great leadership role. I think there's 35 cities that have some form of divestiture, you know, uh, position on this. Um, and, and, you know, Chicago's the third largest city in the country when we do something, it makes news. Um, and if, an, if, if it spurs another you know, trustee or representative or mayor of, a, of another town to start looking at what they're doing, then that's the kind of the way you kind of create the ripples that, that create the wave. The other part of it is you know, individual investors. We all are. We, we all have 401ks. We all have uh, some form of pension, I hope. And a lot of times we don't really think. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, sorry. <laughs> maybe they're doing well. Maybe I, I, they're I'm not. I'm in radio. You're so, in radio, yeah, so yeah. not so much. Yeah. Um, but the the point is that you know a lot of times it's just well this looks good that looks good what's doing well and and people still have you know an, a personal interest in these things and it at least creates a story and at least creates a conversation that might get them looking at and saying, well, you know what, I should be talking to my financial advisor and saying, you know, when we make choices for, for my uh, retirement, I want to make the, make sure that those solutions are moving away from from these kind of investments. So I think we can have a, a large effect and a small effect just by being out there and making a story about it and, and showing the leadership. Um, and we'll, it, it, we know that it's never going to be one person that makes it happen or – uh, or one city, but collectively we know we can move mountains. One of the oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that. Alderman Arena is spot on, and I just want to say that I read um, just this morning that on January twenty sixth, the Irish Parliament passed a bill to divest from fossil fuels and cited Donald Trump being in the White House, a climate denier, as mm-hmm. one of their motivators for doing it. So I think the world is watching that because the United States is not at this point signaling that they're going to be a leader on climate change other countries are really stepping up and moving faster to prevent catastrophic climate change and we know that 
So there's three major reasons for divestment. One is the moral argument that if it's wrong to wreck the planet, it's wrong to profit from that wreckage. And there is also the political argument. The fossil fuel industry has a stranglehold on our government from creating meaningful climate legislation. They spew misinformation about climate change. And so we know that the aldermen and the city council do not have direct jurisdiction over the pension funds, but we still chose to go this route because we want a bold statement from the city of Chicago that they're willing to lead on climate change. And that's why I'm very glad that the Progressive Caucus has agreed to take this on. And of course, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it wasn't on your team, uh, because I am. I mean, I totally believe in this, but I also believe in investigating this and, and seeing if it really, really makes sense. And then that's why I'm kind of being devil's advocate here. Uh, if Chicago does go down this road, would you be the largest municipality represented uh, in divestment? Melissa, you in the United States, yes, but yeah. not in the world. So Paris, Berlin, oh, that's right. Stockholm, Paris and Berlin, yeah. Copenhagen have all divested. Norway, the country, and now but, Ireland as a country. But you don't think of Chicago uh, stepping up and being the environmental leader? I'm sorry, I just I've never <laughs> those. That's an oxymoron to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been doing this show a long time and been through you know daily, even with tree planting and green roofs, and and now. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, and, you know, I've got issues with Rahm, um, you know, uh, uh, destroying the Department of the Environment, and, mm-hmm. you know, don't get me started on that. So this is actually a significant accomplishment if you guys get this done. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, like you said, you know, losing the Department of Environment in the city sends a signal, right? Yes, it does. I, I, right? so I mean, if talk you're talking about, about signals, talk about yeah. And symbolism. So, I mean, it's about time that we really kind of come back to this conversation in the city. Um, you know, we rely on the lake for commerce. We rely on uh, we're kind of a hub for transportation. Um, we really have a responsibility in this city to 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 lead on this and to kind of, uh, if not regain, but at least establish ourselves going forward in the future as a leader on uh, sustainability. And I, we do we do a lot of that in our building codes. We require yeah. an awful lot of you know issues of water retention is a huge problem. Uh, efficiency. We, and could, we could be standards. much better in water retention. Retrofitting, though, surprisingly, has been very successful, and and I like the idea that the city has gone after that. Mm-hmm. And construction and demolition, a law that got passed, an ordinance that got passed in the Daly administration, has been fun, phenomenally successful in terms of recycling those materials. Exactly, and actually, our airports, like O'Hare, uh, O'Hare has gotten some of some amazing awards and done some amazing things in terms of building. Uh, building practices and, and being one of the most green uh, construction processes that they use in terms of how far they move materials and reusing materials in building new runways and modifying the airport as they're going through now. So there are some bright spots in the city, and we need to continue to, one, let people know that those things are going on and then use those things to kind of build on a broader environmental and sustainable policy. And you mentioned about being smart in terms of your investing. We had a guy on the show last year. His name is his last name is spelled the same as mine, but he pronounces it Nowak. So Tom Nowak, uh, he's with an outfit called Quantum Financial Planning, uh, and it's responsible investing. Uh, and uh, folks are interested, quantum financial planning. I've met with him, um, and I like where he goes with this. And, and, you know, he's one of those guys that says it's not easy. you got to figure out how, to, how where to put your money, and there are there are pitfalls everywhere. Um all right, we got about a minute here uh, before we got to go. So I'm going to I'm going to do a little switcheroo here and just very briefly talk to me, Alderman, about the new tax bag tax in Chicago. How do you think it's going? What have you heard from your constituents? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think anytime you talk about a new fee or something, there's always you know grumbling about why are you doing this. And I think we've been able to answer it very simply: is you don't have to pay it. You simply don't have to pay it. Just exactly. bring your bag. Yeah. And so we've been giving out bags from our. Uh, in our office, uh, the city produced, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand bags that are being distributed. And and really, we we missed we missed all of the learnings from 20 years of other cities trying to do this this ban that we did, which the plastic companies just got around by making the bags thicker because we yeah. had kind of a. And I was a, in on some of those meetings and, and I don't want to mention names <laughs> here, but some of those aldermen. Man, uh, yeah. Enviro's got played by a couple of aldermen. Yeah. So the good news is, is we 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 said we looked at it wasn't working. We're actually putting more plastic into the environment by doing that. By going to a fee, we get to offset some of our costs. Uh, we we'll gener- estimate we'll generate about nine million dollars for the city 
to offset those costs. And, I, and we'll get people to stop using them because it, uh, economy is what changes people's behavior. Yeah, and I I have an issue about where the money's going, but that's for another show. <laughs> Alderman uh, John Arena, thank you so much. Melissa Bryce from 350 Chicago. Thank you. Thank you so much. You, now, guys. it was 97 degrees in the shade yesterday in Chicago, so why aren't you out there gardening, huh? I'll tell you why, because in three weeks it's going to be 19 below zero and we'll be in a snowstorm of the century. That's why you need a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. This is where you get advice from the pros who know that Mother Nature has a wicked sense of humor and that climate warming is really climate variability and if it gets too variable your plants end up dead there's also my column on the inside back page of each issue which is always dead on arrival chicago land gardening magazine a publication of state by state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere or go to chicagolandgardening.com if you're in other parts of the midwest or the south try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to state by state gardening.com or call 888-265-3600 888-265-3600 rick DeMaio, meteorologist extraordinaire i guess he's in florida is Ooh. next so or it's cooler <laughs> It, it, it probably is. So stick around to, to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, who's on live Facebook. Look at that. Woo! Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Enjoy local food all winter long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by 12 different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through March. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. Chicagoans use your blue carts to recycle. Bottles, flattened boxes, jugs with the lids on, tin and aluminum cans, juice cartons, and mail. No plastic bags, including store bags, no greasy pizza boxes, styrofoam, disposable coffee cups, light bulbs, napkins, electronics, or shredded paper. Put your items loose in the blue cart and not in a plastic bag. Visit RecycleByCity.com Chicago and let's make Chicago beautiful and green. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Yo. Cut it. So <laughs> Everybody's saying. <laughs> I'm a loser, baby. Speaking of. No, I can't do that. Wait a minute. I would not, not do that to Rick DeMaio. Mr. DeMaio, good morning. How are you? Um, so am I the loser? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm the loser for even suggesting <laughs> it. I am the loser. So no, how cold is know. it where you are? Uh, yeah, Peg, I think, I think I'm the loser when I decided to go down to Florida, um, during record warm temperatures in Chicago. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the parking lot yesterday at Midway Airport waiting for the bus, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's 67 degrees. And and not only was it sixty seven, but it was sunny. It was Friday afternoon. Isn't it isn't it interesting how records like that are supposed to be made 
on a Friday afternoon. Doesn't it seem like appropriate? Kind of like New Year's Eve on a, on a Saturday night. It's, it's like a Friday night news dump is what it is. You know, ah, we'll, we'll throw in a little record warming here. Nobody will notice. Except that we blew past the old record by, what, <laughs> seven degrees or something? Yeah, like I, I, I think, Mike, that's the best way to describe it. And I, I always, I think I'm, I keep mentioning this to my students. I'm going to start, I'm just going to start, you know, maybe you can help me out with this. I'm going to create a shirt. With a with a, a a graph on it and a, and a statement that says it's not what the high is it's the area under the curve, because if you look at the number of hours that we were actually above sixty degrees yesterday, it, it was almost like eight hours. It's one thing if you break the record for fifteen minutes for one hour. Okay, that that's that's one thing. You hit sixty one, yeah, sixty one. But you make a good point. We were sixty seven, and we were seven degrees above the normal. Not only that, but we were or above the normal, above the record high, but we were we were above that for such a long period of time, and so there therein lies the difference between temperature and heat, and and I and I keep saying this: the only way you get something like that is to have the perfect combination of sunshine, which we had, no snow to melt, and a ground that literally has lost its its permafrost probably a month ago. So the amount of radiation coming into the ground had nowhere to go but warm the ground and warm the earth because you're talking February 17th. It, it, it's just it's just not right to have temperatures this warm. And then we may actually break another record today. I think the record is 62. Set back mm-hmm. in, I think, 1981. Yesterday's record was 1880 when Rutherford B. Hayes was the president <laughs> and people didn't have electricity in their homes. No Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it, no Facebook. Yeah, and, and it's amazing because we'll be in the 60s again, probably out of here tomorrow. I'm not sure along the lakefront, uh, and then again probably on Monday, and then again probably on Tuesday. Wow. And if that and if that happens, that'll be the the earliest and longest we've ever been in the 60s in in February. And again, it all has to do with the fact that there's been basically no snow. We're going on 62 days of, you know, not an inch of snow, which is crazy. And then you look at even places like eastern Colorado, where Denver has had an average temperature this month of 11 degrees above normal, and and they've had no snow since early, you know, early January. So, again, there's winners and losers. The winners are people and airlines and, and communities that have to rely on snow removal. But think of all the ski resorts like Chestnut Mountain and Grand Geneva, who looked through or looked to President's Day weekend as as people coming for three or four days and skiing, and they're not skiing, and they can't even make snow because the snow is probably flowing down the side of the mountain in the form of water. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very bizarre. And then what's more bizarre is I decided to come to Florida to visit my parents. <laughs> you know, you're the meteorologist. You're supposed to know this stuff before you do that. And by the way— He, he didn't check the weather. There's a— <laughs> You should you should have checked with skilling, okay, Demayo? Yeah, yeah um, I know, I know, I know, and and I know, and I know you have a beef about this, Mike, because yeah, I do. You know, because because people are just going up there and going, oh look, la di da, it's warm, it's blah, but it's it's weird warm, and and you know, and that has to be addressed. And it's not, it's know, not on local television. I know you do, and I know skilling does, and nobody else does, and that's making yeah. me nuts. They don't even they don't even say. Uh, wow, uh, we've never seen anything like this. Uh, we need to, you know, figure out what's going on. Nothing, no right. hint of it. It's just like, hey, enjoy the weather. It's here. Do, 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 or, do. Or, 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 you know, a better way of saying it is this, because I, I talk to, you know, I have a lot of people who I, I discuss this with, with farming communities. And I had one farmer friend up in Wisconsin said, this is fine now, but what does this mean for the spring, and what does this mean for the summer? Yeah. And even even something like that in passing between, you know, the TV weathercaster and the anchor has to raise questions because you get a pattern like this in June and July, and and that's when it leaves, right? Ninety degrees, ninety-five degrees, heat, drought, all this other kind of stuff. Now, you know, I'm not going to make this seem like this is, you know, it's the kind of birthday present you want to send back to the store because you didn't like the wrapping paper. But but this is part of the overall long-term, I think, consequences of what we've seen with a, a warming planet and, and, and climate change. You've got to be really careful sometimes that you don't jump the ship and say every small climactic event is related to the overall large scale. It, it, it's been done before. 
Um, but but this one, I think you can kind of point to that uh, very easily. Yeah, and that, and that's a bit, you know, before we do our forecast, that's kind of what I was hoping you would do. At least give us a little indication of yeah, how this yeah. ties into climate change or climate variability. Okay, so, this is climate so, variability. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So we've had this massive vortex that has been basically stuck over uh, the Northeast Pacific Ocean, driving tremendous amounts of moisture all the way from the subtropics uh, into California, into Oregon, into Washington, uh, and then downsloping on the other side of the mountains, you have dry air. So the pattern has been wet in the in the in California, wet in the Pacific Northwest, and basically snowy in far northern sections of New England. So you develop this huge trough on either coast, and inland or the middle part of the United States, you get dry weather. And 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 what has been interesting is that not only has it been uh, dry from a standpoint of snow, uh, that obviously allows the, the ground temperature to warm up. But what's been weird about this winter is we've had decent amounts of rain, you know, three and a half inches of rain since the first of June. So it hasn't been a dry cold. Um, it's first been, of January, it's a, you mean? Right, right, right. Since the first of January, it's been it's been a wet, warm, which is very uncharacteristic. So I guess in 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 the next minute here to try to kind of encapsulate it, it's it's tough on on the ecosystem. It's tough on the biosphere. You know how did how does how does migratory birds react to this. You know, I, I send you that stuff where, where leaves across the deep south are blooming out 20 days ahead of schedule. Yeah. You know, this begins to make, you know, nurseries go, uh, how do we do this? So, again, for people bike riding, it's great. They don't want to hear that things are, are, are kind of chaotic. But for the people who really rely on normal climate, it, it raises a lot more questions, obviously, uh, than answers. Yeah. With that, why don't you give us uh, a forecast as scary as it might be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be seeing rain down here in Florida the next four hours, which they need only had about a half inch. But for Chicago, uh, 55 right now at 10 a.m. is not a bad way to start out your Saturday. Uh, low 60s today will break the record today along the lake from probably mid 40s. Low 60s tomorrow, low to mid 60s uh, Monday, and maybe some rain on Tuesday. But Mike, no chance of any snow or cold for the next two weeks. But the first two weeks of March at this point look very active. I would not be surprised, you'll hear from me, if we end up the season with normal snowfall. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, 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 talk, and talk about a bookend winter, right? Yeah. December and March having your snow. Yeah. And and Ron Calgill was telling me that he's got landscapers trying to come in a month early and do stuff. And I said, it's going to snow. It's going to freeze. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. So it, it, it's hard to predict extremes, right? That's the toughest part about this. Yeah. Climate. All right, Rick. Rick DeMaio, thank, thanks so much. Enjoy Florida, you dummy. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds <laughs> good. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Take care. I want to thank everybody on the show today. Alderman John Arena from the 45th Ward. Melissa Bryce. From Chicago 350, of course, Rick DeMaio and Peggy and I are headed out to Wild Wild Thing. Thing. So uh, until next week, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.